0: Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Hicks, a.k.a. Escaping the Matrix. In this episode of Real Talking Conversation, I have on a special guest, Commissioner Ted Terry of DeKalb District 6, my hometown. Welcome on to the show, Commissioner.
1: Hey, good to be here, Antonio. Thanks for having
0: me on. No problem, man. Thanks for accepting uh, the invite. So. Tell us a little bit about who you are, Ted, and and what, what got you into politics. Like, why the hell you want to take up that mental and and get involved with all this headache?
1: Oh man, well, um, well, I wish I could say it was for like a noble reason. Um, you know, to get started in politics, it was really for a girl. Um, I uh, oh, really? my high school sweetheart <laughs> um, and go- and college girlfriend. Um, you know, we were together for years, um, but I met her in high school and. You know one day she invited me over to her grandparents house for sunday dinner mm-hmm. and i showed up there and you know i was like into sports and you know didn't really do much into politics and um and we sat around that table and all of her family were talking about foreign affairs and domestic policy and medicare expansion you know all these things and this was like in the, in the late 90s right so mm. um you know bill clinton was still president but you know things were happening in the world and i was like i have no clue what's going on i don't know what they're talking about um and so she was like well you know pick up the nation magazine pick up the new york times you know read harper's magazine you know she gave me some things to pick up and read and read mm-hmm. and then i kind of you know just got started reading antonio and you know there's a lot of really bad stuff in the world <laughs> going on <Yes. laughs> and so you know when you when you become enlightened to what's going on, it it becomes more difficult to ignore it Mm -hmm. and to say, oh, I'm not gonna do anything about it. And so I, you know, I just, for me, it was kind of a hobby um, in high school just to kind of read and just so I could like, hold my own with her uncles and her mom and who are really smart and knew all these issues. I just wanted to like, you know, (laughs) know, be able to, to have a conversation. And uh, But when I got into college, I, 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 uh, my freshman year was uh, September 2001, mm-hmm. and I remember mm-hmm. uh, waking up on September 11th uh, with the attacks in New York and the Pentagon and the, the plane down in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, mm-hmm. really, uh, it really sort of you know, accelerated my involvement in politics because, as many of us know, that's when George W. Bush declared the war on terror, uh, either you're with mm-hmm. us or against us. And then began the invasion of Afghanistan and then ultimately Iraq. And so I, I got thrust in, into leadership roles um, in the anti war movement um, in Gainesville, Florida, at the University mm-hmm. of Florida, where I went to school and uh, spent the next three and a half years in college uh, being part of kind of the loyal opposition, the progressive movement. Um, and we were fighting for and an, not just. Anti-war, you know, issues, but also the um, environmental issues. Um, I worked on a campaign with um, a group that many of us may not remember, but it was called, you know, remember Acorn? Mm-hmm. Uh, way back in the day, um, uh, they they uh, were really active in, in just voter registration and voter engagement in Florida. And uh, actually, that year, that's that two thousand and two. Uh, there was a referendum in Florida to raise the minimum wage by $1 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, we, and we were like, man, this is amazing. We're going to you know, get $7.25 an hour. Um, you, but, got that. Um, you know, I was. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we got it. We won that. We won that referendum. Um, so that was like my first like actual kind of campaign I worked on. Uh-huh. Um, and we had a rally at the University of Florida campus. And so I just saw, kind of saw that that, you know, what it means to be an organizer, what it means to, to be involved in politics. And I just loved it because, it, you know, it, for me, it translated into actual real change. And it was uh, something that, you know, it was taking what I knew with a problem mm-hmm. and that I was gonna be a part of that solution. And um, yeah, and then I moved to DeKalb County in the summer of 2005 and, you know, just- I will say, what, what uh, the hell brought you to Georgia? Campaigns ever since. Well, I, what brought me to Georgia was um, just getting out of college and being like, where are the jobs at? <laughs> and Atlanta, Metro Atlanta is where the jobs are at. So it was either that or uh, I think I was going to I was looking at like Raleigh, Durham, uh-huh. North Carolina. And it just turned out that the um, kind of the Emory, uh, DeKalb area was sort of the best fit and where I was able to. To get a job, um, but you know the, the funny thing thing is, is that soon after I moved here, and and my degree is in nutrition, by the way. So I was doing nutrition work, mm. um, and mm. as soon as I moved here, I was like, you know what, I want to I want to get more involved in like actual campaigns. And so I uh, went to, to be a door to door canvasser for the Sierra Club and the Human Rights Campaign and the and Environment Georgia. And I I spent the next six months knocking on doors, raising money, you know, from people all throughout Metro Atlanta for uh, these, these environmental causes. And then just kind of started from there. So what part of Florida are you originally from? I'm from uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. Grew up there 18 years, and then went to Gainesville, Florida for four years, and then the DeKalb County ever since.
0: Yeah, I was really in Savannah
1: for, for a year and a half, working on a campaign. So I, I did a little stint in Savannah for a, an election cycle.
0: Yeah, that's that's weird. You come up and you go straight to uh <laughs> to the cab. Most people don't come straight to the cab. They'll go to what Cobb or they'll go to actual Atlanta or Gwinnett. It's ready? Well, I guess the north part of DeKalb cab in the, the Tucker area, up close to like North Lake and stuff. But now, uh, yeah, i don't typically hear people coming up going to the cab, kind of because a lot of people are like where? Is, what the hell is DeKalb County until now? You know, now all the you know rappers and well, stuff. I was looking for uh, the most affordable rents. <laughs>
1: I was looking for yes, the we rent. had that, um, and the cab was just the, the the cheapest place to rent. And I and I was looking for an apartment complex. I'm I'm like low maintenance, Antonio. So I was just looking for a room to rent in someone's house. <laughs> so now,
0: what part of the cab did you um,
1: move and, to? Yeah, maybe. I did I did some. Uh, I had a, a house. I stayed at, and um, part of my rent was to do yard work. <laughs> now, yeah, that's yeah, that's high. Yeah, yeah, I had
0: two hundred dollars a month to do yard work. I, I did it. <laughs> Yeah, you can't get that now. I mean, that's, that's, it's tough to come by housing now. Because I'll tell you, because, well, I'm a little bit older than you. I remember those, <laughs> those days to where you could get cheap apartments and actually be in a nice part of town. Now, yeah, that's that's just unrealistic. That's really unrealistic. So no. you moved to the camp You got, you're into nutrition. So what, you know, you decided to get out of nutrition and get heavy into just doing political stuff. That's a huge switch Well,
1: switchover. actually, I... Yeah, you know, I read a book in college my freshman year. Mm-hmm. It was by an NYU professor uh, named Marion Nestle, and the book was called Food Politics. Mm-hmm. And it was all about our how our federal and state and local policies affect our food systems, um, our nutrition guidance, our school lunches, mm-hmm. um, our uh, SNAP program, and, and she just basically laid out this argument that um, because policy in D.C. and policy in some states were so bad and kind of and in, in backwards, um, that it really actually hurt the nutrition and the health of our people. And mm-hmm. so I was training to be a nutritionist where I'm going to be, you know, one on one working with individuals. And I remember working, um, um, you know, with uh, cardiology patients and 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 found that to be so rewarding because people would have heart attacks and they would have open heart surgery and then as part of their recovery they have to meet with a nutritionist and come up with a, a new you know reality of what they're going to do with their diet and exercise right um and i found that so gratifying right. but then there's so many other layers to nutrition and health that our federal and state policies made it you know difficult for people to to get you know good healthy fresh food um, that perpetuated food deserts and food insecurity. That um, that uh, that mislabeled things. That didn't have transparency and what we actually were putting into our bodies. Right. And and she just basically made the argument that every nutritionist should be involved in politics. <laughs> so I just was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. Um, I you know, and I was already doing. I was already getting more involved in. Like, I like going back to the anti-war movement. I was very interested in foreign policy. Um, that book. Sort of said, okay, wait a second. You know, this is something that you're interested in, and and it's domestic policy, right? And and that's a whole yeah. other can of worms. I mean, those are two different, you know, areas of politics that I think, you know, are are in, in themselves very complex. You could spend all your time working on just one. So yeah, that was um, that's pr- pretty much what happened. And you know, soon after moving to after graduating and moving here, I just said, you know, I got to get involved in the political system and help elect candidates that are actually going to change these policies. Uh, because I saw firsthand the the difficulty it was to sort of get someone on the right track when really we should have got them on the right track from the beginning. Uh, good habits and good nutrition start at the earliest, you know of our education um, yeah. and parenting and childhood childhood care, but also just with like school lunches. I mean, that's one example right there. school, the school lunch program and the free lunch program um, is, um, even to this day has a lot of issues with it. And I I really want to credit, uh, Michelle Obama for really, I think, transforming the the dialogue around school lunches, but before really before that, I mean, school lunches were treated with just, you know, you got sort of the surplus meat, the surplus cheese, you know, you got sort of the substandard ingredients and they were going to, to, you know, schools that had 90% free or reduced lunch. And so we were already perpetuating the inequities that existed in our system by giving people who already were dis- economically disadvantaged poor quality food, which was going to make them un- more, you know, have, you know, a higher, um, you know, uh, health issue, you know, health outcomes uh, and disparities, and then causing, you know, that those inequities to perpetuate um, as they, you know, had issues with. Um, seeking medical care um, and and even, you know, there's lots of evidence about just good nutrition helping students stay focused in school um, and, and how diet and, and ADHD are interconnected. And there's all these things that are really intersectional. And um, yeah, so it's something I continue to work towards today. And it's it's one of the reasons why I've, you know, launched that the Fruitful Communities Initiative. Um, I think I started in Clarkston and we're expanding to DeKalb County. Because um, uh, food insecurity, uh, as we've seen during the pandemic, has, um, has really been exacerbated. So mm-hmm. we've seen that that vulnerability in our society um, uh, be compounded by the pandemic, but it was already there, it was already underlying. And so right. know, my goal is to, to use politics to address that.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't understand about how your diet plays a part in everything that you do in your life even when it comes to work and education, because if you don't have a proper diet, it's hard for you to stay focused. You get lethargic, or you are you taking in too much sugar, or in my case, I'm, I got caffeine. <laughs> you're taking in too much stuff. So it's not allowing your mind to keep you centered on what it is that you're doing. And even the kids say, you know, kids are sleepy in school or sometimes they're hungry because they don't have enough food at home. And then like you were talking about food. That's, that's one of my biggest things, especially freaking in the cab and in parts of the rural areas. We've seen all these Dollar Generals and stuff pop well, now pop up. They're there now, popping up everywhere. And they don't have access to actual food, like real food. And it's only just processed stuff. So, you don't you have that snap effect in place. Parents are not making enough money with income and stuff. So they don't have, they can't go get proper food because proper food costs a ton of money if they have access to a grocery store that has it there. And then the only place they have accessible to them are the Dollar Generals. And a lot of food at the Dollar Generals, but well, not a lot of, pretty much all of them are processed food, which has a lot of the unnatural stuff that's, that's in there. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's one of my the biggest pet peeves I have. Because coming from the country, I mean you come from Florida. So it's like me growing up, I was surrounded by fresh food. It was stuff everywhere on the side of the road. Like homeless people, when I was growing up, you could never go hungry. Now you might not have a house to lay your head in, but there was food everywhere because it was growing naturally in nature. Now, because of all this deforestation going on, you don't have it anymore. It's like so if you know, even if, if you're growing up in the rural areas, if you're hungry, you are hungry. So that's something that yeah that that's right. needs that's to right.
1: be addressed. Well, yeah, and our the, agri- the agricultural industry is almost completely consolidated and corporatized, and mm-hmm. so the, the the small farmer, you know, is it, you know continues to dwindle. Um, it, it gets worse every year. Um, and you know it's and that that's that's more of kind of a that situation is more of a rural rural context. Um, but I think when we talk about urban agriculture, and micro farming. Um, those are some of the things, the systems that I see to be some of the most sustainable. Yes. Um, because yes. a lot of our food has to be shipped in from all over the country and all over the right. world. Um, and, and and that probably will never change to an extent that there'll be always people wanting to get blueberries year round or right. who will want to have avocados year round. Um, but the reality is, is that we can grow a significant portion of the food that we eat locally mm-hmm. um and, I, and i'm i'm practicing what i'm preaching antonio often have you come over to my house but my entire front yard uh is a micro food farm um i've got do you have an uh, hoa not just race, but, what's that do you have an hoa, have
0: an
1: HOA. no Oh, no. okay because i was like <laughs> no, no, no HOA, HOA is is allowing uh, it uh, but uh but yeah we should we should talk about the hoas um yeah those those covenants are really restrictive yes um Sometimes they'll let you do it in the backyard. Um, right. My backyard has a bunch of trees in it, so my front yard has more sun. So that's kind of my my paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we can you know we you, we can grow a substantial amount of food on our own land, um, as well as public lands. Um, and that's and that the big piece of the kind of the the fruitful communities initiative that's kind of new is that we have all of these public um, Mm right-of-ways and land that is in essence owned by the public, but it's maintained by city, county, school board. And so just think about when you go into a library or go into uh, an elementary school or go into, you know, a city hall or the Maloof building um, in downtown Decatur, those are government buildings and they all have landscapes. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, all of those landscapes are sort of this typical, plant some flowers, do some crepe myrtles, uh, and so, uh, one of the, the big initiatives we're pushing forward is the Decab Growers Program. And this is, this is like really a, a systems change. This is mm-hmm. about, um, about changing out landscapes to put in edible landscapes, um, edible for the birds and the bees, but also for humans. As mm-hmm. well. And our, our first big project is at the Clarkston Library, um, and we've got over a hundred and oh, 150, di- uh, 50, uh, fruit trees, bushes, plant, you know, uh, pollinator plants, um, things going from olives to pineapple, guava, to peaches, to apples, to, um, uh, to, uh, beauty berry. Um, we're, we're doing the three sisters, uh, garden at the Mm -hmm. Carson library. So we have three sites with the beans, the peas, and the corn, um, growing all sort of interconnected. That's, you know, harkening back to the to the, uh, Native American farming practices. Um, but, you know, these are things that are, you know, these are integrated landscapes that we call productive urban landscapes. So they're not, they're, they're, they're beautiful to look at, but they also actually produce, um, you know, a harvest mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully in the long run, um, you know, uh, the Clarkston library and, you know, as we expand to other libraries or other schools or other public sites like senior centers, you know, DeKalb County government could be growing tens of thousands of pounds. So programs. who's, who's um, managing this though? That's right. So, uh, so uh, fun fact: uh, we are voting on the budget for DeKalb County in the next uh, three weeks, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, July twenty seventh, I think, is the, the the vote on the budget. And so, I put forward an amendment to the budget uh, to fund the DeKalb Growers Program. Okay, uh, it's about one hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars, and that would um, embed. Um, uh, between six and ten, depending on kind of the recruitment, six and ten uh, DeKalb County employees, uh, and we would be hiring some new ones as well. So this is a jobs program. Um, go through a certification growers program, um, and they would be the the you know the stewards of this land and of these landscapes. Um, they would get training. We're working with WorkSource DeKalb and also Georgia Piedmont Tech mm-hmm. to create an apprenticeship program because we want to create that a job pipeline, because as we expand to more landscapes, we're going to need more growers. Right, um, And then the growers right. are also being trained in community engagement. And so the goal here is not just, you know, just, they're just going to do their job uh, and take care of the these landscapes, um, but they're going to invite the community to come in and be a part of it and to learn. And so and, you know, the libraries really, I think, are the best first little pilot step, because. Libraries are, are places for communities to gather. Um, they're places for people to learn, mm-hmm. and so inside the library mm-hmm. you can learn. And then now on the outside, the growers can also, you know, teach um, young people, families, the larger community about how to do this in their own property um, or even in their own, um, you know, in their own communities.
0: Yeah, I know um, Katie Kissel. She's a candidate running up in. Um City Council up in Atlanta. They have something like that up in her area. They had a, um, a lot of land that was just abandoned for so long that they got with the state and the county to allow them to get on there and use it as an actual community farm. And that's again, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you said it because I would like to see a lot of that go on in DeKalb. Well, actually, not even just cap across the state period to where we have community farms. And then, like I said, it's, it's free food available. It's not nothing you have to pay for. It's just you have fresh food that's available for you to, you know, take part in. And it shows, you know, you have accountability. You care about your own area. That's right. That's right.
1: I think I think it's transformational. I mean, I think you know the the job training, the green jobs, the the feeding people. I think is really important. That's kind of the mm-hmm. the, 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 the prime focus of it. But let's be honest. When people get outside, um, when they get their hands in dirt, um, when they're um, you know enjoying the wonders of nature. Um, and what God has given us, um, you know, the the. Not only do you build community, but uh, your your mental health <laughs> is so much better. I can't tell you yeah. how, uh, you know how de stress stressing, you know, it is to go out into my garden, and uh, and pick my banana peppers, um, and to you know make sure, you know guide my watermelon you know vine and you know on the arbor and make sure my tomatoes are up, you know, on the on the archway so they can, you know, grow and get sun. Um, and just spending, you know, 25 minutes out there, you know, every couple of days is just like this. It's like, I went through a therapy session. Yeah, people, They don't
0: know, understand how important it is. No. So, you know,
1: I think that's the goal. And, um, yeah. And then like, you know, within that Antonio, I, you know, the, the sky is the limit. I mean, we, and, and really the land is the limit, I should say, because, um, What's happening right now is we have a lot of, um, uh, you know, housing development pressures in Decab. Mm-hmm. There are the last sort of large parcels, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 acre parcels that have not been developed in Decab that are now receiving incredible pressure because of the housing crisis and the housing market and how expensive it is right now. And so there's people that own land. They've held on to it for 50 to 80, hundred years going back, you know, to the 1900s, um, late 1800s. And now they're like, I'm ready to sell my land. Mm-hmm. And, uh, developers are like, I'll take that. And I want to put townhomes on it, <laughs> you know, yeah. luxury townhome. Yes. And so I'm, I'm pushing back. I'm telling developers that, you know, one, we need to think about more, um, uh, integrated communities. Uh, when it comes to housing types, uh, we don't need to be having all just luxury townhomes. We need to be looking at cottage homes. We need to look at you know the classic single-family residential, but we also need to look at models where instead of having um, you know a dog park, um, you have a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just having a, mm-hmm. a nice little you know grass little field here, you have a farm. Or Instead of having the, the typical mow and blow and pesticide and herbicide type of landscape uh, do the productive urban landscape and then hire a landscape firm or a grower that's going to manage that and actually, you know, be able to harvest food for the whole community. Mm-hmm. And my, my favorite project <laughs> that's been presented uh, to decap so far is the Pennagrass Farm project. It was an area that would, under normal zoning circumstances, be completely clear cut. But because the developer and with the DeKalb the County Conservation Ordinance, um, they were able to work out a, a, a one and a half acre uh, plot of land that would be an actual working farm. Mm-hmm. And then there would be a, a, a farmer caretaker that would live on site um, and would basically be the farm manager. And then the community, the surrounding community, not just the new people moving in, but also the surrounding neighborhoods would have public access to this uh community amenity and would be able to to sign up to volunteer and work on the farm um and then as a result would be able to benefit from the harvest as well and so we see that and that's a that's a new development mm-hmm. and then uh, just down the, mm-hmm. uh, on memorial drive uh, there's an apartment complex um, that Instead of doing like the raised bed boxes and every resident in an apartment complex will get their little raised bed, Antonio, uh, it's just a, it's just an integrated farm. And it's the same exact system. It's basically an amenity. Mm-hmm. So the, the the residents at this apartment complex can sign up to volunteer to do a farm day. They can clean out the chicken coop. They can, you know, pick the weeds from the squash patch. Um, but then the, the, the farm manager is going to make sure everyone knows what they're doing, going to teach them something. Um, and then, um, as a result, each you know season, there's baskets and baskets of, of food that are shared with the community. Now, it's about, not about integrated. I mean, we don't have to change. Come up with land. We, the land is already there. Right. It's about integrating it into the uh-huh. landscape.
0: Now that brings up a good idea as far as like dealing with some of the homeless who is going on in DeKalb County, because I mean, this other areas, but DeKalb is your place so having tiny houses like having the land cleared out and then you have farms and they have tiny houses on the land for the homeless people and give them a job opportunity to where if they're housed there they have responsibility to work there and take care of the farm and then you have the uh the guy that actually manages everything him or her that makes sure they're doing things in order and they're teaching them new skill sets hmm that's right that's right so that is yeah and so that model is is actually been done
1: in other communities um and actually i've got a policy uh, a group of summer policy fellows that are working on um some really good um policy kind of memos i'd love to um, i'd love to share them with you but um but yeah i mean that so that that would be an example of like a transitional housing community Mm -hmm. um and so Mm -hmm. what we've seen work in like portland but we've seen work in down in tampa Texas is, has one is too. very much a, is it to stabilize, you know, and transition? And then yes, the goal is, you know, they wouldn't live in the tiny house forever, right. but it is a transitional community. Mm-hmm. And then you're exactly right. I mean, the goal of a transitional community is to get people busy, then to do things mm-hmm. um, and, to, you know, and to pay them to do it as well. There's, there's a, there's a kind of a, you know, a, um, a goal there of a, of a financial self, you know, sufficiency. And um, yeah, it's um, I think um, but those those programs work really well. Um, I, I'll give you one example of one that isn't exactly like we're talking about, but the cab does have a transitional and opioid uh, residential, you know, transitional housing program where people who are under who are undergoing uh, or getting out of uh, you know drug detox and and going through the rehab process that they have a twelve month window to really transition back into. You know sobriety and to you know and to society, mm-hmm. um, and it's been obviously successful at the cab. We just need to expand it. You know, we just need more beds. We need more of those types of facilities because, as you say, as you say, we see it in our community. We know for a fact that we literally have hundreds and hundreds of what we call the ten thirteen calls every month mm-hmm. to come into the cab nine one one and um and there's a significant portion that are related to homeless and homeless and mental health homeless and drug abuse yeah and so we know that that we know that the people are out there that need the support and we know the program works but right now the crisis center in deKalb is only capped at 37 and then the opioid residential program um has you know a ceiling depending on kind of you know when folks come in and how long they stay um but we want to expand it um we are continuing the current program under the American Rescue Plan, mm-hmm. so uh, we are you know, planning to vote on that in the next few weeks, and that's going to be another 12 months of, of that um, mobile telehealth, uh, mental health services, as well as the transitional residential program. So you're exactly right. I think that that model fits with mental health issues, with homelessness, and with drug addiction um, and and all those these, those those categories are kind of intersectional. You sort of have, you know, these moments where it's not just as one thing. It's kind of a combination of things. And, right. and this is probably why you know mental health uh, policy making is so complicated because it's a very nuanced you know thing. We're dealing with human beings who are you know unique and have mm-hmm. their own issues. And but but the good the good news is these things these programs have been proven to work. I'm a big believer in evidence based policy making. So if we see something that works. And we see that there's a demand Like we have a, you know not enough um supply um and we you know to meet the demand, um then we gotta we gotta create that additional supply.
0: Now have y'all thought about partnering up with like the city of Stonecrest? Because Stonecrest has a ton of land that they're not even utilizing, it's just sitting there. And I know the plan is for them to eventually start growing out, but I mean, that hadn't happened yet. So, I mean, they could utilize some of that space for farming, too, for community farming. And it might entice other businesses to come out to Stonecrest and Bill. That's
1: right. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest uh, you know, barrier to uh, people doing this kind of work is all in the code. It's all in the ordinances. It's all in the zoning uh, code. And so the things that we did in Clarkston, the things that we're working on DeKalb, um you know, anyone, it's not a state secret, you know, Mm -hmm. these are all public documents. They're all on muni code. And so anything that DeCab is doing on, you know, cottage, you know, development and tiny homes or, you know, urban agriculture, I mean, anyone who wants it, I'll just, I'll just get, I'll just, it's all packaged up and you can have it. And it's just a matter of Stonecrest city council, for instance, in this case, deciding that, yep, we do want to have more micro farming. And so here's the the actual law of how you do that. How many chickens you can have per acre? Mm-hmm. You have beehives, you know, can you sell your eggs? You know, some folks don't know that you are allowed to sell your own eggs, but you gotta go through the um, this little certification process with uh, the Georgia Department of Agriculture um, to prove that you know, you know how to make sure an egg is good. Right. And so once you kind of get certified, you can sell your eggs, right? But if a city code says you can't sell your eggs, what well, does it doesn't matter what the state code says? So we gotta have that alignment between county and city. And so, I mean, the good news for Stonecrest is they they're a city, so they literally can pass whatever law they want on land use. Right. Um, that is their right, and DeKalb County can't tell them what to do. It. So that's you know that's this that's local control at its best. Um, but absolutely, I want to encourage all the cities in DeKalb, and 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 like trust me, like cities are all doing unique things, and so we should all learn from each other. And I'm taking inspiration from you know, not just Stonecrest, but Brookhaven, Clarkston, you know, places, you know, Tucker. I mean, there's things that are happening that we could all learn from. So. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I saw this lady on uh, North Druid Hills. It's her and it's another lady off of uh, Pleasant Hill Road. I have a Pleasant Hill Road in Loganville. And they, uh, as opposed to doing like regular cutting the grass, they actually have goats out. Now, typically I see this in other countries. They have goats out keeping the lawn under control and managed. And they have farm on the land too. So I'm like, I'm like, that's pretty cool. I think everybody should be, like as far as the city goes, if they have open land area, have agriculture, and then the, the animals come out and feed off the land. Now, yeah. on a yeah. sidebar issue, Absolutely. policy out the window. You know when I talked last time, because outside of uh, doing policy and politics that we both involved in, I'm a gamer and I'm a huge nerd. Now you said you're a gamer yeah. too, so we want to hear about gamers' head. Yeah, <laughs> and what game? of course I'm a gamer. <laughs> did like to play? I'm the original gamer. I, I, I had Nintendo. Are you the original gamer? <laughs> I, I wasn't.
1: I'm not. I'm not old enough to have Atari. I didn't. I didn't have Atari. I was too young for Atari, but I did have nintendo super Techno bowl and duck hunt
0: okay That's so, <laughs> so so what kind of games do you like playing i know we talked about it but you know i'm my listeners i you know, I, I, I love the uh, i love
1: strategy i'm you know like whether it's like chess mm-hmm. you know as a, a game game uh but as a video game i mean you know i've played all the civilizations I played all the total wars mm-hmm. um there's a new one out called humankind yeah. which is kind of like civilization but it's got a, a couple different layers to it so it's an interesting sort of take on kind of that you know civilization you know sort of macro you know uh, sort of game and building um you know civilization building um but that's been my, my go-to for years um and then just recently i uh been uh i've gotten into assassin's creed um, so I, I've caught up to all, I, I wasn't, I didn't play any of them when they came out. So I like literally went back and like, you know, those are the fun games. Ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the one that, the, the new one that I got into, um, which is pretty cool. It's actually a PlayStation game, but it just got on PC recently Is um, um, oh shoot. Was it? it's a uh, horizon? Uh, Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I'll, I'll say like the reason why I like that game is because I love sci-fi mm-hmm. and, you know, anything science fiction or kind of, you know, out- otherworldly, like I love that kind of that that story element there. And so, yeah, that's one where I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like an interesting game. I'll check that one out. And then the story. Yes. Was amazing. Yes. And I was just like, man, I want to know what's I want to know what's going to happen. You know, so you want to watch that next episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to see like, where is the story we're gonna go because brilliant storytelling um so yeah i guess like i guess that's like a would that be called an rpg
0: yeah it w- um, yes like it is a because she has world. to level up yeah it's yeah. an open world but still an rpg yeah yeah because it's almost like like yeah. one of my favorite yeah. rpg games it's made by square enix and i love it it's like it's final fantasy so I don't know if you've ever seen final fantasy if you haven't i encourage you to check them out you No, know, i i i've i've
1: i've seen about it for years but i just i've never played it so i'll have to, try, I'll have to check that
0: out so Thursday. final fantasy is a strategy based game and they do have ones where, um it's final fantasy tactics where it's almost like a chess based type game where you have to make certain moves in order to get to a certain uh part of the area and then take out the kings and stuff so final fan and it's been final fantasy goes all the way back to nintendo so it's been around for a long yep. time because I'm like you, I like strategy based stuff. I like I love role playing games because I love a good story. Square Enix always tell their hands down one of the best gaming companies that tells a great story. And then I like fighter games because like sometimes, you know, you just want to get out and start shooting yep. at the end of the That's day. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 You just so, want to like take
1: an aircraft or a, yes. a, you know, a Star Wars fight, you know, and shoot some TIE Fighters, you know. So now, have you ever played Grand Theft Auto? You yes. know, I no. think I've probably played it once. Um, but, you know. yeah, Yeah,
0: may- maybe once or twice. Yeah, yeah, it's a violent <laughs> game. I mean, I like it. I mean, I tell people all the time, I say, hey, you know, everybody has a dark side to them. And, like, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, act right. that in, in public. But you can have fun on a video game with this.
1: <laughs> I, so, I know, I know. I, I can't, uh, yeah, I, I, I gotta. I I, uh, the, I, I would say that the 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 kind of like the do anything and do crazy shit you know thing probably is like where I'm like ah, I don't want to get too far down that line. So, but it's a, um to keep it, you know somewhat you know not like not R rated, but you know like PG
0: thirteen. Oh, you yeah, know, I, yeah, I play everything. Like even when I because I stream too, and I, I I told you this where I stream. I play Mafia Two. And it puts you in of the old school gangsters and them having to go through city and do hit jobs and stuff. But you know, it's a game. That's how I take it as. I'm like, you know, it's it's just me having some fun. Of course, in real life, I'm I'm going against that kind of stuff because I again we was at the stop the violence thing. Yep. <laughs> so I'm gonna play some video games, but I'm gonna that's say, right, hey. That's right. Oh, we well, need to I stop was the I violence. was just I <laughs> yeah.
1: I I just uh, I I almost always turn off the blood and gore. I'm yeah? Glad that they give people the option just to. <laughs> Just to turn that yeah i mean i um i'm a um yeah i'm a big believer that um you know you know what what you experience in the world um you know it, it impacts you so yeah i just i prefer to keep it uh see i don't like horror movies either like i don't like like huh? you know like like uh like andrea she loves like uh the horror movies and like that you know and like movies that just are really gory and I'm just like, oh, I don't wanna see that. I don't, I don't wanna see any of that. So now- Sometimes I won't mind gore, but, is if it's like an actual, like a historic, you know, like, you know, like Saving Private Ryan, right? Like that has mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, blood and mm-hmm. stuff in it. But you know, that actually, you know, that was like an actual historic thing. I think sometimes kind of that historic context, and that this is what really happened as opposed to something that might be gratuitous um it's kind of where i maybe draw a line so. you
0: yeah, know you are not different on that Now i'm i'm one of those people where i'm a, I, I read a lot and especially when it comes to historical stuff i read it i don't want to see it because for me it's like if i've already read the history behind it it's messed me up enough because when i read it it's like you can because most people when you read it you visualize it and actually now i get to see it on the big screen i don't want to see it it, they kind of that's what. Not Saving Private Ryan that mess that messed me up for a minute, and it messed up when I was doing boxing because that's how old I am. When I was doing boxing, my trainer he was an ex marine and he fought in Vietnam. So when Saving Private Ryan came out, he him and his wife, his wife took him to the movie theaters to see it. He said he wanted to see it and he wanted to risk it, and he went there without us, like all of all of all his fighters and stuff. And he snaps like he saw it. And he had a he had a flashback in a the movie theater, and I'm like, see, that's why I <laughs> I can't do yeah. stuff like that. But you know, like I said, to each his own because I do like sci-fi and I love gore because it's it's a horror movie. It's, it's fictional. Now, have you played any like games? What is it? One v one games or six v like games like that or multiplayer games. Um. No, no, not, not. I mean, you know, honestly,
1: like I was telling you, Tony, I was like, I wish I had people to play with. So, um, so I mean, I think we, you know, we need to uh, plan a uh, Among Us, right? That's what we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna, we're gonna do, right?
0: Yes. We need to so that, like, I've already yeah. petitioned a couple of people. I have okay. one or two people set up. I'm gonna go get some of people from the gamer community. I'm gonna make sure they stay clean because people in the gaming community they don't know how to stay clean. I'm gonna get my gamer people <laughs> on my side. So yeah, I'm gonna bring them on board. I'm gonna get my son, my son's a gamer too, and he streams online. So yeah, we'll get it together and we'll plan the time. I mean, we can plan some time next week if you're available to get online and um and play. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah let's yeah, yeah. We should um yeah, we should stream it. Like, you know, I, when I saw AOC, uh when I saw AOC do it, I was like, Oh, I wanna play that game. That looks like fun. Yeah, it's fun. it <laughs> if, is fun and it's it's Remember, A member of Congress can do it, a
0: commissioner can do it. It's it's very political, like because you got to tell a lot of lies and stuff. Because you, so th- those that haven't played, oh, among great. I'll be us, perfect at it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't played, those that haven't played, every politician played among will be us, perfect at a game, <laughs> right? That's why politicians should play it, because it's like you have you can have a, I think it's up to ten or twelve players, but the whole goal behind it is you have two people there the imposters, and the imposters are there to sabotage all of the other crewmates from doing their task and kill people off. Now, once somebody finds a body, they have to, you know, let everybody know that they found a body on the crew and people have to identify, trying to find out who the actual person the imposters are that's killing people. And yeah, that's when you got to go into yep. the whole line yep. and tell them about what the task and stuff you're doing. So yeah, it's a fun game, it's, it's very political. It, yep. It's very political. But yeah, we can yeah, put it's something like, together. it's like almost like Clue, but it's like a real time yes. Clue. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's fun though. It's, it's, it's I had a lot of time, a lot of fun playing it. <laughs> But yeah, we can um yeah we we'll set up a time yeah, yeah next week to do it. All
1: right, well let's do that. And one uh, one more more thing before we go, um, I do want to say that um we are actively pursuing the development of and the the opportunity for there to be more esports in the cab, mm-hmm. okay. um as well as potentially hopefully identifying the the capacity to build an esports arena or multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really um, supporting that creative class that design, code, develop. I mean, there's a whole industry and the whole, you know, economy around just game development. Yes. Right. And so we know DeCab mm-hmm. is yes. like film and movie and TV, you know, like central right now. Um, but that's that's the other little component to the sort of the entertainment. It's the movie. It's TV, it's game development, and then all the, the the components of the creative class that fit into that. And so that's something that I think the cab should really lead on. I mean, we already are embracing films um, and the filming and that kind of production, but we should add on the, all the other components that make it where people who are the creative class in our society, you know, have everything they need to, to one, you know, to do their job and do it well uh, but also to be integrated into community, so that where we're um, working with our schools um, and creating job pipelines, we're creating economic development around esports conferences um, mm-hmm. and gaming conferences and like that. And so that's something that you know I'm really excited about because I think it's the future. Um, mm-hmm. you know, esports is one of the fastest growing sports, if you will, um, you know, in the world, um, and it's you know people you know. Love it. So we so we need to create that additional component here in Decab, and um, I just see it as a, an opportunity for us to one create more jobs and economic opportunity and economic mobility um, for 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 some that don't get that opportunity. Um, and it, I think it's in a lot of ways esports and gaming could be kind of a, an equalizer um, amongst the classes. And so I, I'm hoping that's an opportunity
0: that we can really push forward. So. Um, you know, when also you establish, I like playing games, like I said. So you know, so when well. you establish that committee, I like to sit on that committee because I can that's a part of people I work with already. So I would love to sit on the committee and help out with that. So one thing I ask awesome. of all of my yep. people that come on to tell us a little bit uh, about what you're doing right now because we gotta wrap it up. we <laughs> do, what you're doing right now and Leave a, a word of encouragement, because one thing I always say is that, you know, we're surrounded by so much chaos, especially when you're on social media. All you see is just all the negative side. Nobody's handing out any flowers. So if you can, so you can get back to what you're doing, leave a word of encouragement for all the listeners.
1: Yeah, um, well, um, I'm, I'm doing so much right now. But one thing I will say that I'm really excited about is um, that working with um, CEO Thurmond and the DeKalb Community Service Board, um, the Decab Police Department is expanding our mobile crisis unit, mm-hmm. uh, our mobile crisis nursing program. It's a co-responder model. Um, uh, we're, we're 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 tripling it, uh, going from one to four, um, to cover every precinct. And um, this is incredibly important because um, mental health um, and crime are related, um, and and a lot of times, if we get folks um, the treatment they need, the support they need. Um, and we respond in a way that is compassionate and that is about um, recognizing the humanity of individuals who might be having a crisis. Um, we can reduce you know police involved incidents um, but also see that they are you know um, not on the streets not committing crimes and are you know uh, are are stabilized to be you know productive members of society mm-hmm. and so th- this is part of a mm-hmm. larger initiative around public public safety. Um, that involves expanding the police athletic league um expanding um the community um, service aids expanding community policing as well as the crisis centers um and i you know just want to say that i think that um you know if we don't one we know that there's gonna be people who are gonna have crises and we're gonna have to respond to it in a a 911 situation Um, but we don't want to wait for that incident that level to be to be reached for, for crisis. So, you know, we have we have services available in DeKalb County. The DeKalb Community Service Board um, is the public mental health serving agency. They have an amazing team of people, whether from counselors to uh, clinicians to um, advocates. And so anyone who is thinking in their minds, you know, that they're they're struggling, um, that whether it's suicide or other mental health issues, or if you know someone and, they, they, you, and you, you think they need help, um, say something and speak up and speak out for them because um, these services are available. Um, we want you to use them. We want to be a, a source of, of good in the community. Um, and then like I said, Antonia, we, we need to expand it as well. Um, there are some capacity constraints when it comes <laughs> to some of the crisis centers. Um, but, you know, we've got 750,000 people in DeKalb and statistics will tell you that, you know, we've got tens of thousands of people who who who, um, who aren't getting the mental health uh, services they need. Um, and it's available and all they have to do is ask. And so I want to encourage everyone um, to to be if you're in DeKalb County, the DeKalb Community Service Board, they have a website. Um, they have those services available. And of course, anyone can always reach out to me for more information. Uh, my website's just Commissioner dot com, and um, we're here here to work work for y'all and to s-
0: serve the community. Well, I want to thank you again for appearing on the show, Ted. And um, I do look forward to playing the game with you <laughs> and having fun, and uh, yeah, pretty much yeah. beating you in the game. That's right. And, uh, I look forward to double crossing you, Antonio. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're,
0: I'm very competitive, man. Don't
1: don't get me wrong. I'm I'm Go very. Com- that's the other reason why I love politics is I love a good fight. So
0: uh, I'm I'm gonna look forward to that. <laughs> all right, man. So you have a we'll good go rest easy on me. Oh no, I no, I won't. <laughs> so you have a good rest of your day. Again, I'm Antonio Higgs, uh, aka Escaping the Matrix. That's my gamer tag. You can find me on ptgtv.online. And you can check out this uh the show when I post that on my, my YouTube channel. So I welcome you all to follow me on uh my, my website. You got all of my stuff there. Thank you, Ted, for appearing on the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Love you guys. Happy podcasting.